0: You're listening to the Journey to Launch Podcast How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage with Arlen Hamilton. Minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch Podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five four three two one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the journey to launch podcast. And if you are completely new, you might be like, wait, who's a journeyer? You. You listening, you're a journeyer. <laughs> that means you're on the journey with me to financial freedom and independence. So thank you if you're just listening to this for the first time. And if you're a returning journeyer, you know what's up. (laughs) So I'm really excited to speak to today's guest, Arlen Hamilton. Now, you may not know who she is. Maybe you do. I'm going to just share her bio in a quick second. But I actually met Arlen in person. I was on her podcast, Your First Million. And I want to share the background to that meeting and how that all came about. I'm going to do that at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But let's talk more about Arlen's background. Arlen Hamilton built a venture capital fund from the ground up while homeless. She is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, and/or LGBT. Started from scratch in 2015, Backstage has now raised more than 7 million and invested in more than 130 startups, companies led by underestimated founders. And so I have Arlen on the podcast today to talk a little bit more about her story. We're going to talk about her new book, It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And while we touch upon the venture capital world, I really wanted to have this interview based more on the mentality, the mindset that Arlen has to be able to do what she does. Because I really do believe that being equipped with a belief in yourself and going after it—the gumption—you're gonna hear me mention that in the interview. To go after these ideas that come into your head, that is what takes you to the next step. That's what separates average people from journeyers. So I'm gonna to talk to Arlen a bit more about that. Now, if we say something that really like is like, "Whoa, oh, I really like that," or Arlen says something that you like, tag us on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch. Arlen is at Arlen Hamilton, where hang out on Instagram, Twitter, even Facebook. So tag us, maybe take a screenshot, share what you're taking away from this episode so that we can see it. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Journeyers, really excited to have on someone I admire immensely um, that I've met actually in person and you heard about that in my intro to this podcast, but Arlen Hamilton. Welcome to the podcast, Arlen. Hey, thanks for having me. So I know you get asked this question like every time you do episodes or podcasts with people who are not familiar with what you do, but I think just to start here, so people who are not familiar with your background in venture capital in the venture capital world, in this space, like what that actually is. And then I actually want to hop into the really good stuff because I read your book, which is amazing. (laughs) And I want to touch upon some of that stuff. So tell us first what your role is in the venture capital world. Yes. So I
1: am a managing partner and a founder of a venture capital fund called Backstage Capital, which is basically an investment fund that invests in startup companies. And what makes us different is that 90% of all venture capital tends to go or does go to straight white men and has for for decades. And we flip that. I mean, we invest in, I think our current portfolio is 37% or so black women, women of color across the board is more than 50%. People of color is, is pushing two thirds, et cetera, et cetera. So we invest in underrepresented, underestimated founders. We started with women, people of color, and LGBTQ, which identifies all three, and have started that from scratch, officially started in 2015 after working on it for several years, and uh, got my first yes kind of halfway. And I've been, I'll turn 40 this year, and I've been working on this since I was about 30, 31.
0: What I find amazing about your story is that you jumped into this world really without any connections, any like previous like knowledge within the space and I find that so inspiring. In your book, so your book is called It's About Damn Time, how to turn being underestimated into your greatest advantage. I think this is a testament to everyone like listening to this podcast. A lot of people may feel like they're underestimated, overlooked, and the fact that you jumped into an industry that typically overlooks People like us and created your own lane, and now is not a gatekeeper, like you said in your book. You help create keys, is amazing. So, can we go back to how you like first got into this? Because, from what I understand in reading the book, like you at first thought you'd you'd be the entrepreneur, you'd be the one trying to maybe raise funds for something. You realized you wanted to play a bigger role than that.
1: Yes, I still consider myself the entrepreneur, Uh, just built a different product for a different customer. Originally, when I first got into it and learned about this world, I wasn't set, setting out to become a venture capitalist and never thought about that. Didn't know what one was for most of my life. But it was in the research that I did in or started in trying to find out what the investor might be thinking when I wanted to approach one. I wanted to start my own company and I wanted to be really prepared, you know, and a lot of your listeners are these types, right? You want to be super prepared. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why you do your research. So I started researching. And when I came across this statistic that more than 90% of all venture funding goes to straight white men, and I know that a third of the country is white men, something stopped me in my tracks. I was just like, wait a second, I, you know, this is a, there's a bigger problem here. There's a, there's a, a huge issue here. If, even if I can raise money because I've hacked my way, I've done this and that. I know the rules and I and I fight them. What happens next? Am I still going to be shut out? The next step, or even more importantly, what happens to the hundreds of others who I know personally are building? Do they just get shut out because they didn't hack a certain way, they didn't play a certain game? To me, it was a it was a bigger Deal, and I I I don't want to ever compare myself to Stacey Abrams because I, I think she's absolutely brilliant. But she it, it reminds something that she said to me once reminded me of what I must have been doing. She and she is actually a featured uh, review on the back of the book, so I'm so excited about that. Um, but what she said, we were kind of getting ready to go, and and I was going to open and speak for like open for her or whatever at this event. She was backstage and she was talking to a couple of us. And I was saying, you, you gotta run for president. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta run for president. I need you to. This is several months ago. And she said, look, what I'm worried about is fair voting. And that's what all of this energy is about. If I don't fix the voting, whether I run or not makes no difference. If it's fixed when I get there. And she has this great experience of not great, not a good experience, but a, a grand scale experience of having run for office in Georgia and and literally had it stolen from her like really had the balance stolen from her so point is i felt like we can't even talk about me trying to raise money for a company if the whole system is broken that doesn't sit well with me so i i, I set out and say well, how can, how can i make a small difference and uh, be a seed of a of a of a difference and that's where i started
0: yeah and because that seed and in- you talk about this in the book, and I think that's relevant in all areas of our lives. And sometimes, you know, you have that seed, you won't always see, you know, the direct results of the plant and the petals and the flowers that bloom from that. Like sometimes you will, like you've seen direct impact on the companies you've been able to raise capital for and invest in. But what I want to get to, because I think this is like fascinating for people that you have this idea and you have the gumption, the husfa to go after it. When I was reading your story and I find similarities between like what you were able to do and why I choose to go after the things I go after and everyone that I've interviewed that has ever done anything amazing, they have the belief in themselves that they can do it. So I want to talk about that confidence because there are people listening right now who have ideas or thinking of things and they don't necessarily put themselves in that like mind frame of that's them, right? Like, like oh, that works for them or that, that was cool that she did that. But I want to start talking about like what allowed you to feel like without the experience that, you know, most would have said you needed and the educational background that you felt confident to do what you did. Because I think that is where like we can start to really change um, and plant the seeds for people to go after what they want.
1: I mean, it's a few things. One one was early on in life where I, my mother really helped me inst- instill that in me, even though she wasn't someone who would. She's kind of shy, you know, an introverted. So she wouldn't necessarily go out and just scream at somebody. But I I observed her and her her character. And it's something that stood stood with me. And she told me, she's like, everybody's equal. And she was saying that to me to make sure that I didn't treat people poorly, you know. And I took that as, okay, everybody's equal. But what I think happened. is that, and it, it didn't happen overnight, and it wasn't, it hasn't been the case my whole life. Uh, I've had people treat me pr- really poorly and let them do that. What happened was there was this point where I had done so much research and had talked to so many of these leaders in the venture capital space, and I had met with so many founders, and I had done this and this and that, where imposter syndrome became null and void. It was neutralized. When I realized behind the curtain everybody's just figuring it out. You know, I started looking at these people who have millions of dollars under management or billions of dollars even, and these guys who are the 90%, and I'm like, wait a minute, they? I could do that. (laughs) I could do that, and a lot of us could do that. What they did was, instead of it being that they are truly these thinkers that you just can't even get to their level or, you know, these geniuses, what they were really good at was marketing. They're really good at marketing themselves as such, as as the emperor's clothes. Yes. And so the more I observed that, the more I thought, okay, it's common sense mixed with, like you said, gumption. It's, it's mixed with that, I'm going to go out there and do it. It's definitely mixed with intent. Like I, I had to know why I was doing it. I had such a bigger mission behind what I was doing and not a philanthropic mission, um, but an impact mission for sure. Capitalistic, impactful mission at the same time, double bottom line. And that certainly helped me on days where I was uh, struggling. And it still helps me to see that.
0: Yeah. And you talk about like the education, like if you don't have the physical and material resources, even as you stand or listen to this, you can be the resource. You can be the money. With that, you get to regain a lot of power because, you know, maybe you don't have the relationships and connections yet, but like what you did, like you spent years researching and learning and building yourself up as your best investment. But what other ways did you invest in yourself? I know you did a lot of like research, right? But you also like, you went after like what you wanted in terms of connecting with people, cold emails, right? But tailored to the person you were reaching out to and things like that. So I think just like, Going through like what it means to invest in yourself and why that was so important.
1: Yeah, so you touched on a lot of things there. Part of the confidence that I have, this was actually something that someone told me to this year. Like I, I hadn't really realized it. They were interviewing me and they they said, you know, a lot of does your confidence come from knowing what you're talking about? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because you know that that's how you tie the two together. Where where I say. If you don't have money and you are looking for money, you want to attract money, you do have to become money and you have to do that through the information and through knowing everything about your lane possible. Don't let me know more about your lane. Don't let that next person know more. And the tie together is once you do, you'll look up one day and you'll realize you know more about your lane than anybody can tell you. That will help instill that confidence in you in a big way. Even so much so that I didn't even realize that was part of it. And it's two sections of my book, <laughs> but I didn't realize that was the takeaway. It's an ongoing thing. Believe that. Like it's a daily thing. You're listening to this podcast because you are you are refueling for the next few days. Uh, that that's that's what you do, and that's that's good game, you know.
0: And uh, well, the second part of your question was about. Refresh my memory. Reaching out and using it, what you learned to like build the networks.
1: Yeah. What you're referring to is that if I would ever send out mass emails to people to gain a, a job or to ask for capital or for anything like that, I would make sure that there was quantity and quality that combined, right? So I think you have to do things at scale because incrementally, it's you're not going to get there as quickly as you as you may want. And that quickly could still be years. But more importantly is the quality. So even when I would send out messages to dozens of people at a time, or even the example that I give in the book about how I scored my first touring gig by doing this, I would definitely make sure that each email was tailored uh, in a way, in some way. Uh, They're not going to react to spam. You know that. Everybody knows that when you open up something that looks like spam, someone writes to me and they say, dear Hamilton, which is my last name, <laughs> because that's how they accidentally put the thing. Like that sort of stuff doesn't really resonate. But at the same time, you may not be able to write an opus to 100 people at once. So you kind of, f- you find a happy medium. And that's one way of investing in yourself is, is learning, you know, taking different courses around editing, copy editing, I think is probably smart, communication being able to articulate what you do in, in certain mediums is very important to whatever.
0: Right. And a lot of that also applies across scales, right? Whether you're in corporate America and or building your business, entrepreneur, contract, or whatever that works, like at least skill sets that we're talking about work across all platforms and levels.
1: They absolutely do because no matter what you're doing, you are the CEO of you. You are the CEO of the empire that you're building. So that could be the Uber driver, because you got to figure out, okay, how many hours I'm going to do? Going to do what's what's the weekly amount I'm trying to get here? What what are my goals? Where am I trying to go to next? How do I upsell? What do I do? It could be someone building a fund like I like I have been doing. It can be someone who works at a at a, a nine to five like I used to, or overnight shift. All of that, if you're, you're thinking about it, the way that you're figuring out, okay. What are my goals? What do I want to accomplish? What does each day mean towards that goal? What, you know you can't just wake up every day and it's just, okay, this is the uh, pattern that I'm in, and I got to do this, to make ends meet. There's more to life than that, no matter what. And I'm saying this as someone who, for ninety percent of my life, has been completely broke.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing about uh, challenging what you know and what you see in front of you. Because some sometimes so many people, like, it's what they see. It's their immediate environment that influences them. And it's not until they can put themselves and see something and say, wait, and challenge the assumption that, hey, that could be me too. One of the things that I love, because I find that, you know, if you don't have the resources, like, as a parent, especially if any parents are listening, or being raised by someone who let you go, who basically allowed you to fail and still supported you, I think is, like, key so some parents may not have the resources to like put their kids all through like college and pay for everything and introduce them to the ceo right like on the golfing course but i find that when you talked about your mom like allowing you to like live at home and like you you know you went through ups and downs but like she just was there for you she let you be was important and i see that like within my own story with like when you have parents that just instill that kind of confidence and let you fail and you're there, there. you know they're there for you regardless of who you are, if you're ever on a magazine cover or not. Like I think that kind of reassurance is capital for your kids to help them get to the next level.
1: Let me tell you, my mom for, I don't know how many years I had a, I had a music magazine that I published and it was, it was difficult to do, but you know, every few months we put out this magazine and it was a really impressive magazine. And I had all these thousands of people who were reading it and everything and Rolling Stone got in touch and they loved it and everything. And when that magazine was out for years, what my mom would lead with when she would talk to her friends or with people she just met was, "Do you know that Arlen can type a hundred words a minute?" <laughs> that was what she cared about because that happened. She figured that out at like when I was twenty, and this was happening after that, right? So what my point is that like my mom has just been so proud of me for so many things and so many years. And like she may joke, like, you know, she has like, where's my 15%, you know, <laughs> she may joke about it, but the truth of the matter is my mom just thinks I hung the moon, whether I am, she thought that when I was on food stamps, as she thinks that today, and it's the same, it really is the same kind of temper, uh, temper of tone. It's interesting because she doesn't jump up and down when I'm like, oh, you know, I'm on CNN or whatever. She's just like, that is so wonderful. That is so, It's a saying, that is so wonderful as the other thing. And I think that um, I don't have any children, so I'm not going to try to act like I can give a lot of advice. But from the point of view of a, of a child, of a child of a really wonderful person, I can tell you when I call her, there's never a time where I call my mother. I'm, I'm going to be 40, like I said, this year. There's never a time where I call her where she does not say, Arlen. <laughs> I could have just talked to her the day before. And there's never a time where she doesn't make me feel like it is just the joy to know each other. And um, that, that helped in those hard times. You know? I don't remember, I don't care or nor remember what the bank account looked like on day X of this and that. I really don't. What I care about is even when the lights were out, what I cared about was that she was that she cared, that it that it bothered her, that her her children were not okay. It wasn't the fact that we were we, we didn't have it. It we wasn't the fact that we couldn't get it. That didn't matter at the end of the day. It mattered how she felt about it and how what she let us see, you know, and that. So I think that's if you're going through stuff right now where you feel like even my brother a few Christmases ago before I started making some money. He he called me. He's so upset, and he has children. And he said, "I can't get him anything for Christmas. I can't get him nothing for Christmas." And I said, "Alfred, your father and my father were never there for any Christmas whatsoever, and you're there for all your kids for Christmas. That's all they care about. That's really all they care about. And you know, you can't go back three. Go back three Christmases and tell me what you got."
0: Right, right. You know,
1: so that's what you are to your children. That's what you are. And on the flip side, if the negative is is permeating as well, they're seeing that as well.
0: That's great, Arla. I'm glad you actually gave that example because there are these invisible foundations that we internally have. It's hard to measure, like kind of pinpoint our success and why our mindsets are the way and why some successful people do the things they do and have the confidence. And I'd say this, even if you don't have kids, one of the things that I've heard is that like without even having kids yourself, like part of it is if you didn't receive that yourself, like you may be listening and say, well, I didn't have that kind of support or that privilege, like, right? If we call that a privilege of having a parent who supported you is that you can reparent yourself. Like it's this thing where it's just like, be that voice, be that kindness to you right now that's going through whatever you're going through, right? Like building a business, just surviving in this world. this crazy world and this crazy time is being like what the kind of mother father that you would have wanted to have speak to yourself in that way to give yourself that confidence. Absolutely. So now when it comes to, you know, building, so you now are investing, you are wanting to be kind of like the waterfall that springs forth and is able to fill up other little water, waterfalls and rivers and streams. Right? Like, so you're like investing downward, not only in yourself, but now to other companies and founders and people of color and all this amazing stuff. I love that, you know, you actually say there's like a danger though to pushing too hard. Um, And I find that in the financial like space, like I'm in the financial independence world where a lot of it is, okay, I want to retire. And like, and really when they say retire, it's like, I just want to do what I want to do. Maybe that's quit their job and start a business and or travel the world. And so there is a balance between going after that goal, but like how far do you want to push that limit, right? Like how far are you willing to go for that? How hard are you willing to hustle? Um And so you talk about and I feel like it's key is that like hustling to that goal, like you have to be careful because you can't fill other people's cups if yours is empty. So can we talk a little bit about how you are prioritizing your self-care so that you can do more in the world? Um, I think it'll be helpful for people right now who are personally trying to do that in their own life, like help others, but then still want to reach their own goals.
1: Yeah, I, I, I had a podcast episode. By the way, one, your podcast episode uh, for Your First Million is one of our still one of our most listened to. Oh, wow. Uh, people really got a lot from that. Uh, I think it was because we broke away from the raising a million dollars to or having a million dollars to the when you hit your million uh, download mark from this podcast, which is right. Really cool. More recently, I had a um, an episode that said who is taking care of the caretakers in this moment? And it was just me kind of riffing and thinking about that because so many get overlooked for the past maybe two two solid years, or maybe a, a three-year mark, right? I have been really, really doubling down on the self-care, not only preaching it, but practicing it because I got burnt out after I raised my first fund which was about 1.2 million in 2015-16 and invested in my first 30 or so companies so 25k each for the most part 50k whatever i didn't know what was going to happen next and i had it things had changed so much in that time so that was just a really interesting time i had been just on for so many years because i was in survival mode and once i realized that there's only so much of me of my energy. Uh, I hit a wall, and I hit it fast, and it was not good. And it was like medically not good. It was emotionally not good. I I was having like a, a breakdown that was coming across physically. And so after that happened, I was like, I have to be more than a than a tweet. I have to be more than I have to be as good as or better than the tweets that I put out there that are positive. And I have to really look at what I'm doing. And so. How that translates today is that my boundaries are like on point. They are so on point. I used to like really envy a couple of people in my life who, and both of them are black women who had really strong boundaries and knew exactly what they're like, this is my time. This is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm saying no to this. And I didn't know that it was a skill that you could actually build upon. But it is so. If you don't feel like you have good boundaries right now, I didn't have good boundaries for a, such a long time. I have really great boundaries as far as I can see, compared to three years ago, and that has made all the difference. So that comes in the. T- it comes with what I will am willing to say yes to, when it comes to like how much time I give to something, how many, where, et cetera, et cetera what what it is, what the topic is. And then it also comes with like the value I put on that time. Like, you know, there's a whole chapter in the book where I talk about uh, how I got my speaking fee to what it is today, which is my second highest revenue stream and completely wouldn't have. I mean, there's two chapters because one I had to get over stage fright. And then the second was how I, you know, how I then turned that into what it is today. And you can't get from zero to where I've gotten in this short amount of time without having established some some boundaries. So that's where it starts. That's where self-care really starts for me. And I am making sure that I don't stray from that, even during a pandemic. I mean, it's even more important. Yes,
0: yeah, so I was going to say that. And self-care can be free, right? Like it doesn't have to be the elaborate. It can really just be taking space for yourself. If
1: there is a door in your apartment or home, if you have an apartment or home, again, I've been homeless too. So again, I check my privilege everywhere I go. But if you have a door that locks anywhere, that can be the first step to your self-care. If you don't, or if, even if you do, but you want a different alternative, headphones. Headphones are self-care, are part of self-care. Take yourself away on a podcast and an audiobook and a song and a playlist. That's you, you know, take yourself away from it all.
0: Right. I know we have to wrap up soon. I do want to just touch upon your personal financial goals, right? So like this is a personal finance podcast and you know, we could talk about like reaching goals whether it's payoff debt, saving, investing, whatever that is. Is there anything that you right now like on your horizon that you're like, you know, that's the next personal finance goal I want to meet? Yeah. Well, I
1: have started investing in other people's funds. Uh, small investments, but very like an inflection point for them. And in fact, some of them were like the first investment, like someone did for me. So I'm dabbling in it now. And what I want to be able to do is uh, on a yearly basis, have a certain amount and a certain number of investments that I make into other funds, because I feel like that is where things really get cranked up. And I'm not just talking about like venture capital, more venture capital funds. I'm talking about funds that are are hacked like mine was, where it's it may be a crowd equity site, it might be a, 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 an angel group that got together of black women in South Carolina. you know it may be this, this and that. I think that when I'm able to flip that lever, I think that's when things really start getting interesting and, and I'm hoping to be in that position. I think a few of the revenue streams will that I'm working on will start helping that. and I think within a year it'll be more of a professional, structured fund that I have.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's so amazing. I can't watch. I can't wait to see that all like unfold for you. Now, so first, like, tell people where they can find your book and who it's for. It's like people in the tech world read this or is this for everyone?
1: Oh, no, it's not just for t- people in the tech world. It really, I mean, it, it, I know everybody said this for everybody. It is for everybody. It really is. I mean, this people have read it. Have, critics have said the same. But the first group of people, I think, is, is if you're a woman of color, First group is if you're a woman of color from 25 to 45, and you have been sitting on an idea or something has fallen through, or you are in the middle of of raising or uh, building your company, and you want all the kind of like all the inspiration in the world and all the tools in the world to make that happen, this is going to be perfect for you. Outside of that, any person of color, any woman across the board. Anyone, um, and that goes for LGBTQ uh, as well in that first tier, anyone who feels underestimated right now, you're going to find something from it. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter if you're, if you do data entry, if you work as a on-demand driver, if you are uh, doing a nine to, if you're doing like working at a restaurant, uh, any of those things, all the things I've done, uh, you're going to you're going to, you're going to find yourself along my journey. Whether you are making $12 an hour or whether you have millions of dollars uh, under management or as part of your wealth, there's something along the way on that journey that will speak to you, and, um, and I've already seen it happen. I've seen a lot of guys get a lot from this, which I, it surprised me, to be honest with you, uh, guys from all backgrounds because it's not super aggressive. And I, you know, like a lot of these books that guys are reading that are in the inspirational space are like, yeah, you got to go hard or go home, you know, (laughs) and you got to work out 50 hours a day. Mine is more like a softer touch. But at the same time, it takes a lot of gumption, as you said, to do what I did. And I think that you'll feel that adrenaline rush from this book for sure.
0: Yeah. And so lastly, where can they pick it up? What's your site? Where can they follow you? You can go to com for everything.
1: You can pick up the book, the hardcover. You can get the, if you want it right now, you don't want to wait for shipping. Just get that audio version, get the ebook version, do both, gift it. com is the hub.
0: All right. And I'll link all that in the episode show notes. Thanks so much, Arlen, for this interview. I know it will inspire a lot of people. Thank you. Thank
1: you. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay. I really hope you enjoyed that interview, that conversation with Arlen. I know I did. And actually we did the video interview to this. So I know typically you guys are used to listening to me, but we actually recorded this on video. So you can check out the video interview on my YouTube channel. The links are going to be in the episode show notes. So I wanted to just give a little background on how I met Arlen in person, because I think that speaks to everything she's about in terms of Having a thought in your mind or challenging what the norms are, and really inviting yourself, giving yourself your own invitation, which she talks more about in her book it's about damn time, but really, this is how I met Arlen. I started to learn about her through the internet <laughs> um on Twitter and um Instagram, I would see like her like face pop up and this you know this black woman who was in the venture capital world breaking down barriers, and so I didn't know. That much about her, but I started to start researching more about who she was because her story intrigued me. So then I found out she had a podcast called Your First Million. And it was all about, well, the episodes that I started to listen to were all about reaching your first million in capital, something um, like with money. And I started to binge on all her episodes and I really loved it. And I particularly loved her more personal episodes where she talked about like how she became who she was more of the background, not just like the tech or the investing side of things, but like who she was as a person. Quite honestly, I get the most from people who share that part of their story because I can then like pinpoint and look at how that relates to me or what I can do better or improve upon. So I remember listening and binging on her podcast, Your First Million, and she had an episode about getting over stage fright. I thought that was really good because I, at that time I had a I had a speaking engagement happening, like the first big speaking engagement that I had. And so I thought that episode that she had was very helpful. And then I started to hear that she started to say on the podcast, hey, if you think you have um, a story to tell about your first million, it can be your first million of anything, hit me up. like." And like she actually gave her email address um, in the episode. And honestly, when I first heard that, I didn't think of myself to reach out to her. Cause you know, I, I don't have a million dollars like invested in cash or cash or anything like that. But I was approaching my 1 million download mark for the podcast late last year. And so I was listening to the podcast a bit more and she said it again. And I said, wait a second, she said, this could be any kind of first million. I wonder if she'd be interested in a million downloads as someone, you know, she'd want to talk to someone who's reaching a million downloads, like what that was like starting from scratch like her, who, you know, started with really nothing, me building this platform, Journey to Launch, from scratch. And so I heard it. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to email her. I'm sure she gets a million emails <laughs> and pitches to be on her show. But I'm going to send her an email. And I sent her an email. I remember I was cleaning up my closet. And I think I sent it like midnight. or It was really late. And I sent her an email. And I said to her, it was personalized about what I loved about her show, and what I was able to do with Journey to Launch. And what I was Basically, the 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 mission and what I wanted to do in impacting people. And it was also a short email. So I was able to convey that in a few sentences. Just FYI, I know part of it is like how you reach out to people and get them to respond to you. So I was able to do that. And a, a couple, I think, I don't know if it was days or weeks later, someone on her team reached out. Um, I believe it was Chacho, um, who works with her, who was amazing. And he was just like, let's get on the phone and talk a bit. And so we talked first about like who I was, what I was doing. And we set up a time for me to go on her show. And I was able to go and meet Arlen in person. She was going to be in New York City we scheduled a time for me to go meet her. It was at a hotel room. I met Chacho. We talked a little bit. And it was really a great experience because, again, this was really one of those things where you know how maybe you have someone you admire or you follow, and you're kind of just like, how would I ever get into their world or them to know who I am? And it was surreal then now being kind of looking at Arlen from you know a distance for a bit to now being in a space where I'm in a hotel room about to record an interview with her about podcasting, about journey to launch. And so we, she was really nice. We recorded that episode and really it was focused on how I grew journey to launch to a million downloads and I shared just like, you know, just some tactical things I I, I did and everything. And it was really a, a good interview. So, you you heard her say in the episode that my episode actually is one of the top downloaded episodes of her entire podcast. Um and she's had One of the top episodes, not the top, not yet. Maybe it will be one day, but she has had so many amazing guests on her show from founders um, who have raised millions of dollars to high profile, like actors, actresses. So um, to hear that my episode was one of her most listened to is pretty amazing. So I'm gonna link uh, that episode in the episode show notes, my appearance on Arlen's show. But I wanted to bring that up because Arlen talks about in her book and in her story she would just like cold reach out to people. um, And we talked about it in the episode, but really like making it personable, but like, what about you? Like, would this person want to know about or learn about to want to meet you? And I think even in terms of just inviting yourself to the table, right? You know, you may have this idea and you're thinking, well, you know, who's going to want me or how can I fit in here? Or that's for someone else. And I promise you that, as long as you can see yourself, right? I saw like when when she said, hey, you can reach out for anything if it's a million of, I don't know, she didn't say peanuts, but a million of something, I actually saw myself talking to her because I said, why wouldn't she want to learn about this podcast, this little podcast that could reaching a million downloads? So it was me thinking that I was worth her time and whoever her audience is, like them learning from me, that made me feel like I could be in the room with her. And so I feel like this, applies to anything in life there is something you may be thinking about on the fence about maybe you don't even see yourself in the situation you know like you're hearing all these amazing stories of people traveling the world and possibly starting businesses and you know you see all this stuff on the internet and you're kind of feeling removed from it like oh I'll just go back to my everyday life which by the way everyday life is nothing wrong with that but if you have a vision and you see something Know that you can do that, too. All it takes is for you to put yourself in that situation, for you to believe in yourself. Belief in self is the foundation. Without it, nothing else matters. You know, I think most people get caught up because you have a desire. Right. You have a desire that maybe you want to reach financial independence, travel the world, start a company. But then your belief in yourself or what you can do is not there. And that is where the angst, that is where the friction lies, because you have a desire that you want to do something, but you don't believe that you can do it. And I feel like so many get caught up in that whirlwind, and that's where you kind of get discouraged because you really don't think you can have the things you want. And however you can build belief in yourself, do that. That confidence, that building within yourself, Arlen talks about educating yourself. So if there's something that you want to learn, you want to get into, read the books, listen to the podcast, follow those people, learn what they're doing, the skill sets and their personalities that led them to do the things they did. So not just the tactical stuff, but what allows someone to succeed in the way that you want to. You know, I wanted to share that little backstory with you on how I actually met Arlen in person and why I think you should definitely, if you feel like you're someone who's underestimated, overlooked, pick up this book one, but then just follow Arlen, continue following me because I feel like I like her want to be able to impact people in a way that's exponentially bigger than myself, right? Like if I can plant a seed in you and into your friend or family member and other people that you too can reach financial freedom and live the life you love, like then you can pass that on to your kids and their kids. And, you know, we can exponentially make an impact. So Thank you for (laughs) tuning into that long story of how I met Arlen. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you wanna support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone,